are listening to Dad Bods Podcast. Enjoy and remember to always cash tickets. What's up, everyone? It is Wednesday, July 29th, and the Dad Bods are back. Pun, have you survived another week of parenting? I survived another week of parenting. May not survive another week of baseball. Gambling. <laughs> that is gambling. true. But uh, yeah, survived another week of parenting. And I'm just so happy we got, we're in, on episode four. We have a great interview coming up. Um, and yeah, I mean, what about you? How are you doing over there in Maine? Where are you broadcasting right. from, by the we're way? We're broadcasting think... live from um, the toddler's bedroom because so he's supposed to be napping and he's not. So <laughs> I've taken over the space and he's running around somewhere in the house. I honestly couldn't tell you where. Well, I mean, that's, that's, there's that's people perfect. down there. That's yeah, perfect. there's someone down there watching him. Well, maybe he could hop in on the call here in a little bit. If I if might, you... I might, we might need the live video stream to really get the full. He's probably got no pants on, you know. So we are, what are we? Are we are about a week into the season? Uh, about that, tomorrow? yeah. Most teams have played about five yeah. games, yeah. five, six so, games. So we're in a week into the season. What are your, like, what are your thoughts? What are you gathering by watching and betting? How do you think it's going? What are your I'm enjoying it. I have I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. it's back. And I think people have to realize much like we're going to talk about a little bit later in that interview mm-hmm. with um, a very special guest, you know, just keep very, plugging away um, that I, I do think you just have to take the watered down product and be happy and, you know, be even some of the late scratches and things that are coming up, you know, you had Juan Soto test positive late on opening day. So that he doesn't play. You've had some pitchers get scratched, not for COVID, but for some other reasons. Um, so I think downer. that's one observation. Yeah. It's, you just have to be, willing and ready to to watch and take it all in and just enjoy what it is yeah i think i think they're handling it well with the marlins and they're i'm glad that you know with the yankees playing the phillies they held out of those games just for safety glad 29 teams tested with zero positives after that marlins fiasco but you won't hear about anything except the marlins testing positive in the media yeah yeah it's a florida it's a big time florida bust everybody's just crushing florida which right Sometimes it's they deserve it. Sometimes they don't. This, you know, this is going to happen, and it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly the Marlins come back and can play. Uh, I don't know if they've said anything about that. Probably next week. I guess they all got to test. I heard it was at least week. through Sunday. Yeah, okay. at least through Sunday. So I think okay. resuming next week, they're they're trying to. I guess it would be pending some tests. Um, mm-hmm. I think some teams are looking at: Do we want to travel there? They might have to move the site of where the Marlins play and get them out of Florida a little bit. You know, which could be a potential option. So the interesting dynamic to me so far has been the, the empty stadiums and how teams have reacted. Like, for instance, I'm a Red Sox fan, and you're watching that team. In, yeah, well, sorry. You're, <laughs> you're watching that team. I mean, seriously, you're watching that team at Fenway that's usually always a juiced crowd, and they just look like they're going through the motions. Do you think and it's I, affecting them? I think it is. I mean, they're not supposed to be very good. Their pitching is awful for lack of a better word, I mean, dreadful is if that's worse than awful, whatever is worse than awful, or what's the worst you could be as Eovaldi. Horrendous. Bunch, Let's go with horrendous. Eovaldi and then a bunch of guys that are double A pitchers. Yep. yep. So I just thought their offense performed better. I think they feed off that crowd at home. And I think they're a team that is going to play better away from home. Personally, once they get out of that, out of that deal, what do you think? I think as a viewer, it's been tough to watch. And I've said this to other people too, and just mm-hmm. random conversations that I think baseball without fans and the views you're going to get of these huge empty stadiums is going to look and feel different than mm-hmm. NBA and then NHL, right? Those sports are just more conducive to being able to give you a camera angle or black some stuff out and show you. As soon as the ball gets hit up in the air and you start seeing a foul ball or, or a ball hit, you know, a home run that stays fair – it just looks strange. Well, it's you know? the dead. It's the dead time in baseball compared to other sports. Like in football right. or basketball, there's constant, there's constant action, and the fans aren't necessarily something that the camera focuses on. In baseball, like you said, you get a foul ball, you get a guy eating a hot dog, you get a foul ball, and a guy get his beer knocked over on him. That's that's part of the game, and that's what you want to see as a fan. And then we with some teams doing the cutouts, 
and some teams doing nothing. I, I think, I think I like the cutouts behind home plate. At least when I'm glancing over, it looks somewhat normal. But I don't understand why, it's, like the Red Sox, for instance, and the Astros did this as well. I noticed that last night. They have all their cutouts in the outfield, like random and, places, right? And I don't know if I don't know why they did that. I don't know if just I mean the monster seats are iconic. And maybe that's why they did that. They thought it would look cool on TV when a home run was hit up there. And the the Astros with, you know, that short porch in left did the same thing. But to me, behind the plate, you need something. You need something. Yeah, especially because that's that's what you see, right? That's what you see. Five percent of the time you're watching on yep. TV, that's what that's the cut you're looking at. Well, and then the virtual fans, where did those go? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I, I I do hear the piped in crowd noise, which I really don't know how I feel about. Sometimes I'm like, that sounded so normal. It just it, it just feels like it sounds like white noise. It, sometimes it right. sounds like white white noise from your kid's like sleep machine. It was louder than I anticipated. Good dad reference, by the way. Oh, thank you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, but <laughs> here all yeah, week. Here all week. Uh, no, the I, I think the virtual fans is a great idea, but they just it was poorly poorly done and maybe they're maybe they're taking it off until they figure it out uh, and they can put them everywhere because like, there were times when you'd look behind the behind home plate and they'd have the virtual fans but they'd be like four rows up and they would be like sitting like on top of the seats and not like in the actual seat like it was just like it, a floating it, yeah yeah their proportions weren't <laughs> correct um, it's like but, when i try to join a zoom call during covid <laughs> with a sweet background and the next thing you know i'm faded three quarters of the way into the background <laughs> yeah that's yeah backgrounds are fun so that's my kind of observations going forward i'm glad we have baseball and it kind of it's kind of boring without fans unfortunately well look it's not i don't think it's a hot take i some would view it as a hot take but um baseball ratings wise and kind of media coverage wise is going to struggle when hockey and nba go right into the playoffs yeah it does because hockey crowds are that that's that's not not an issue at all, I don't think. And basketball, no, no, they, have that, they have a great setup. And it's also not the regular season. You know, once they get through some mm-hmm. of these exhibition and early round robin tournaments, I mean, you're walking right into playoff atmosphere. You know, yep. regardless of a bubble, I think yep. it's going to be no, a step up in competition. Some, some baseball is better than no baseball, and teams are adjusting. I think you'll see the better teams start playing better. After the first couple, any of weeks. teams that have that have shocked you so far, good or bad? Yeah, the Reds. The Reds. I, mean, I thought the Reds a, would be in a better. bad way. In a bad way, yeah. I've been on them the past couple of days, as you know, and I just kind of expected them to play better, pitch better. For those for listening, sure. I, I think I'm I think I'm going back to the well tonight, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I I uh, I might be. I'm I'm watching that line, so if it gets if yeah. it gets high enough, I'll I'll hop on it. But you know. They're they're one that I thought would be better, and then, let's be, I mean honestly, the Brewers are another one that I thought would be a little bit better, and their bullpen has just been awful. They should have almost lost both of those games. They lost well, I think that's night. my ops. That's definitely an early observation, and I, I had a feeling it would happen. One because you saw a lot of this last year, and then yeah. two, you didn't know how pitchers or hitters, right, offensively or defensively, mm-hmm. we're going to react to shortened spring training. We talked to C2 a little bit about it, to some of this stuff, and the rule changes wash out. But I think bullpens have continued to struggle. I mean, there's been yep. blown saves all over the place, and totals getting, you know, total bets getting jacked up late in games. Even if a team doesn't blow it, they're just giving up late runs. So that's yeah, been an interesting trend. Yeah, I want to talk to C2 about that in maybe three weeks when he sees a lot more data and see what he thinks about the extra innings and how that's going to affect these totals long term. Uh, it's going to be hard. To, I mean, you can't bet a game. You can't bet an over hoping for extra innings because it's just impossible to predict. But it's going to be hard to hit an under with a, uh, with a game going extra innings with how tightly these things are graded. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's my observations. And I think I think we're both happy to have baseball back. Um, hopefully, your team gets to play soon. <laughs> We'll see. I think they're switching gears. So they're one of these days to play, tonight, but then they're right? playing the Orioles, I believe. They they switched the series for the weekend, I think. Okay, okay. So they switched the series for the weekend. So they're they're headed to Baltimore now. They are headed to Baltimore now, and they play Baltimore. Oh, they actually play Baltimore tonight. They do. 
Yeah, so they moved it around. They got Baltimore, Garrett Cole on the mound tonight at 735. Oh, I see that. Yep. I see that. I didn't see and that one. And then they play minute. all the way through. Only minus 360, by the way. So, so it's just a two-game. Yeah, only. I think the run line is like minus 210. No no, thank you're, you. You're, you're going to see a lot of minus three and a halfs out there. Minus, four, minus oh two and a half. God. You know, people trying yeah. to just look like they know what they're doing. Okay, so – I think that's some good baseball chat and let's I think uh, let's the one thing we here. should that I, that I want to mention before you segue okay. is that on the 31st so we may have to get some some Twitter action out on this um okay. we open up as long as there's no COVID cases knock on something wooden nearby go you go July ahead. 31st Red Sox Yankees in the Bronx <clears throat> so it's you're gonna that, have Friday? To, you're gonna have to give me some you're gonna have to give me some some, run, some runs, yeah, or some <laughs> some juice because that could be just a blowout blowout potential. So, so we'll have some fun with that one. Because yeah, we're gonna have some fun. The Red Sox pitching, it's, they're just. I mean, it, it might be a run rule. They might have to implement a run rule. That's how. <laughs> just that's how bad this team is. The old little league mercy rule. Yeah, I'll I'll write into the commissioner to see if we can input it, make one more league one more rule change. It can't hurt. Implement a run rule. It's for the so. good of, the, of shortening the game. That's what we all want. <laughs> so, you know, uh, let's uh, let's kick it over to our interview, which we recorded last night with our very good friend and NBA savant, Sharky Waters Nation. Welcome back, everybody. Want to get into it with another guest, the star guest. Of episode four here, giving us an NBA breakdown. We got Sharks and Sports, Sharky Waters Nation. What's up, buddy? The man. I think I should let you guys talk about me for like another 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I, I do want to add one important thing here. And the reason we're really having you on is not the NBA. But when I was doing research on ESPN.com earlier today, a little bit more this evening. Something kept popping up at the top of the screen. And I showed this to Pun, so mm-hmm. so he knows. He knows what's coming. But I just want everyone to know that it is currently Shark Fest presented by National Geographic, a five-week event that meant we could only have one guest on to talk NBA shop. So what's up, buddy? This is Shark Fest. How are you feeling? Beyond great. I mean, there's no there's – no there's no words to put into uh, the conversation other than you two are setting podcasts into a new sphere, not only with your dad bods and your beer guts, which have not <laughs> been shown on the internet. So this is still unconfirmed. And, you know, oh, they're, oh, they're there. They're there. Scam, I guess. So this could be a scam. Who knows? These guys might be fucking GQ models. We don't know. But Quarantine's been good to us. It is Sharky Waters Nation. It is Shark Week. It is Shark Fest. Sharks eat fish. We don't like fish. We don't like fishy capping. We like real talk. And let's jump into it. Let's go. Look, let's that's what go. we told the people on Twitter all day. We said, get us questions. He's going to speak the truth. It's going to be real. We only have like 10 followers each, so there might not be any questions. But we'll see. We got questions. No, there, there are questions, so don't worry about that part. But uh... So – Let's let's set the stage a little bit. So the NBA is back, which I know all three of us are super excited for. Um, Sharky, you and I did a ton, you know, just during the NBA regular season, talking on, you know, different spots for teams, what worked, what didn't work. And I think it was really crushing to think this season wasn't going to happen. So now we're walking into the bubble. And I, I guess the first thing I wanted to check in with you on is like, how do you think the NBA did? How do you think Adam Silver did setting this thing up? It's a great question. I think there's obviously multi-faceted points here where there's unfortunately a little bit too too much politics in sports, and that's a different conversation. But I do there's a little bit too much. And I, I made the mm-hmm. comment to you guys privately. I do think a very noteworthy point about athletes saying they're going to sit out, not necessarily because of the coronavirus and health risk, but because they just want to have solidarity with crime and a bunch of different things. When the Yankees come back against the Nationals and one random baseball game in the middle of July that has no fans gets more viewers than any regular season baseball game in 10 years. What was it, like 9 million people or something? It was 4 million, but 
it was nine years. So pun is oh, nine years. That's what it was on the screen right yep. now. Yep. But yep. That that's why he hosts the shark. I keep him not dyslexic, but centered. <laughs> and truthfully, that is a powerful point to the idea that athletes, as much as you guys are incredibly forgiving, thoughtful, and caring, sitting out of your sport does not serve the public at all because people find greatness in your activity, your competition, and your skill. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, look, you saw it in the golf, too, the the ratings that, what they call it? I'm blanking. That, you know, with Phil and Nielsen? Was it the Nielsen? boys. The, oh. the Nielsen ratings, but the golf, the oh, golf did a Matt, big number, oh, too. Yeah, with, with Brady and Manning and all that deal. The yeah. quarterback that showdown, was, the, the goats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think Absolutely. it's 100%, right? People are craving it. You can, you can you know, nail your message down that way, too, yeah, and hopefully when, be vocal. Yeah, when Kyrie came out with that about – wanting to sit out or, you know, maybe for a bigger cause. I was hoping that wasn't the case because, you know, I think playing means means a lot more to everybody. Um, it's a way of, 100%. 100%. of creating, uh, creating a positive dynamic about a situation that's negative. So um, Absolutely. Absolutely. there's nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. The thing that they're not connecting with, because again, like deep philosophy and deep, deep, you know, societal connection doesn't actually being an empathic person doesn't really connect with the idea that you are, as a, a person with a platform and millions of followers, millions of dollars, you're not necessarily connecting with the average person in their life and just how mundane their life is. Yep. The person that watches you on screen. And as much as they want to lecture and give these large scale narratives, the whole thing to, to help people because they have, they have no bad intentions. Mm -hmm. They're not connecting with the fact that these people are living 24 seven with no excitement. They provide entertainment. I mean, NBA basketball is entertainment. It's almost like yeah. Hollywood. Oh, it totally is, especially if you go to a game. I mean, it's the whole thing is centered around entertainment. It's it's less about the basketball and more about the other crap going on in the stadium. You know, I mean. Right, exactly. I mean, 100%. And I think a good segue point back to, you know, um, Oddsfellow's question is how do they do with the bubble? And in terms of the entertainment value, I think they did very well. When I look at yeah. those courts, I was very impressed with the just the infrastructure they were able to put out, put up in what I think is a conference room, actually, in Disney's hotel somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah totally. it gets, I think, a, a little bit easier of a wrap compared to MLB, which I'm getting killed on currently tonight. The, on, the only thing that the NBA needed to do, and we talked about this privately as well, um, was put a color around the court instead of making it all the same color. Like, I don't know. You know where the out-of-bounds is. Make that a different color. Just for the screen, yeah. it might. Um, but other than that, with the video boards all around, um, I do like the blackouts. I the think blackouts, the having, out having some guys kind of in the look like they're kind of like fans. It kind of makes it seem less like a scrimmage and more like a game. At least, at least preseason has. Yeah, I mean, so. I think that they, I think they took the template probably from the. Uh, Battle at Atlantis, you know, the early season college basketball <laughs> yeah. tournament where truly there's not a lot yeah. of fans in the Bahamas with yeah. these blue chip college basketball programs. No, totally. And they did, and they did great. And of course, like as we said, it's entertainment, it's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Getting the lighting right is important, and they got the lighting right. There's the, you know, the, the, this, the theater setting on the court, which I think really sets the players apart. And I think that visually it's much more agreeable on a TV screen. Yeah, totally. And so, with, Along the lines of that question, another question that I had, and we kind of came up with a few that, and I think we've talked about them a little bit, but um, who are the guys that you think are going to need that energy from the crowd that they're not going to get in this new playoff scenario? Um, you know, like, like somebody like Russell Westbrook really feeds off the crowd. Um, yeah. I think. Mm. But is there anybody that you can think of that, kind of needs that juice to play better or do you think that really matters that's a great question i you know honestly off the top of my head i don't know if there's one guy that just stands out i, I mean i think like i would take it more to the nfl the nfl mm -hmm. what if they play without fans i think there's a lot of guys in the nfl that play for show like there's a lot of real like hollywood elite types um, in terms of just like yeah. their show business mentality, like are they going to uh, like are they going to do end zone dances if nobody's watching at the games? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like yeah, that exactly. kind of I mean, stuff. NBA, 
NBA is difficult in the sense that I do think most NBA players grew up playing street ball in total isolation anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think the NBA player by definition and by just default is really motivated by the fans as much as an NFL team or NFL player. And it might, it might, work, it might work the other way. It might make the, the guy that's not as good a better player because of the, the, la- the lack of crowd noise, the lack of nerves, maybe. Think about younger guys who have never been in a playoff setting, yeah. right? You, you don't want to be a yeah. game seven on the road is no longer game seven on the road. Yeah, it's, it's way less intimidating. And I, and I think, you know, to just bring out a little bit of a side point and a little bit of a plug to a friend of ours, Brian Bevo, mm-hmm. uh, he made a comment that I think in the scrimmages, the underdogs were running 7-0 and against the spread last seven. I think that does speak to it, at least to a mild degree. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting to see if that keeps going because I don't know how Vegas is really going to cap these. That's going to be hard for them to put out lines. I, I know they can do it, but – that's that's going to be a hard thing to see, and and like you said, NBA is going to be hard to bet in these until the playoffs, I think. But I agree. I mean, I think that motivation is scattered. Mm-hmm. I think, um, forget motivation to play basketball. These are professional athletes. They should theoretically be all motivated. Although I would cue to J.R. Smith and Lou Williams about motivation to play basketball. <laughs> oh, we'll but, get to that. <laughs> but just just generally speaking, the large majority of NBA players live to ball. So I don't think motivation is necessarily waning. But I do think just distractions and the inability to connect with what is a very chaotic, tumultuous atmosphere and living out of a hotel room. And I know a lot of the, a couple of them made very tone deaf remarks about how like these hotels are just total garbage and whatnot. It's, it's a like, motel God, six or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like if you're going to sit here and lecture us on like how miserable, like the world is like, you can't live in a reasonable hotel or like mm-hmm. a, actually a five-star hotel room without being supposedly deficient. It's like, come on guys, have a little like relative awareness. Yeah. And I, and I hope that's coming from a joking point and it probably was, but it just came off pretty tone deaf <laughs> you know i <clears throat> oh no doubt no no, oh, no so let's doubt. set the stage a little bit with what we got and then we'll get into yeah. some more questions because i think it is pun like you mentioned going to be a weird setup weird. what does vegas do what do the teams do so 22 teams get invited the nba bubble down in orlando rocking it through florida's COVID issues so why 22 teams right and i think that's something i definitely wanted to touch on so 16 make the playoffs, right? Eight in each conference. What the NBA did was set up a special uh, little wrinkle. Um, I call it the Zion rule, and we'll get to why. Um, to create a little playoff or a little uncertainty and get some more teams into the bubble. So we have invited five additional teams in the Western Conference fighting for the eighth seed and one team in the Eastern Conference fighting for the eighth seed. So during these seeding games, which I think there's nine, mm-hmm. um, if they finish those seeding games w- within four games of the eighth seed in either conference, that forces a playoff, um, which has some wrinkles to it. So from That's a date just... perspective, right, we don't have playoffs until August 17th. So you got about two weeks of games and potential playoffs. I think this is a mistake. I think the NHL did this correct, beat them on this, this part of the, the setup. Um, I mean, do you, Sharky, do you think there's a point for like the Spurs and the Suns to be here and the Wizards? I mean, I get... yeah, I do. I, I actually do. Okay. I, Cause I, okay. I think that there's, a, if, if you like, if you really consider the, just the way sports play out generally, maybe outside of hockey, hockey has like insane parody within the playoffs. Yeah. But most other sports are fairly top heavy. I mean, there's like two or three contenders, and then there's like a middle ground, a bunch of guys that are right there. And I think it's an interesting component, which I think you could integrate long term, where, you know, the, the six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 seeds are usually somewhere within like six to eight games of each other. And truthfully, in an 82 game window in the NBA, there's a lot of tank games in early season that are not necessarily indicative of how a team will play in April or May. So I think mm-hmm. that giving them some leeway there is unfortunately a little bit of a cop out. Like they can tank early season games. I don't, I don't like that. But I do think on the back end, 
it creates a lot more intrigue as opposed to just default putting in the eight seed to get blown out by the one seed and be done with it. At least you get like a second layer of competition amongst like the middle ground teams. And also in terms of personnel, oftentimes that group of teams are like the really young up and coming players that people really want to watch in a much yeah, more like yeah. focused setting. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, look at it on the paper rule. and look at it. Yeah, the, Zion, the, the Zion rule. Hence the inter- inter- NBA's entertainment, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I agree. I just – I'm just ready for the playoffs. I mean, like, you can't speed it up, but – Well, look, I do think the Western Conference are winning at all. Is, no, but the Western Conference is interesting. I mean, put the East aside. The Wizards and the Nets who are fighting with the Magic over those last two spots because technically yeah. they could – you know, the Nets could fall all the way out of seventh. Um yeah. Those teams invited skeleton crews. Uh, you know, they had some players out, which, you know, we can list off later. But the Western Conference is interesting. You have the Grizzlies, who have been there most of the year. But then you've got five teams, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, all within three and a half games. Spurs within four games. And the Suns, who probably didn't need to be there, but good for a young core at six games. If I'm the Lakers, I mean, who don't I want to face, right? Blazers, Pelicans, those teams are young. Those teams are healthy. Yeah. Totally. Well. I mean, I do think you're missing the Kings. Uh, the Kings were coming into this year supposed to be the eighth seed. The, the Blazers underachieved, but also at the same time, the Blazers did not underachieve. The Blazers GM gutted their roster. I mean, so many big names. Al Farouk uh, Aminu, a um, couple other guys. Myers Leonard to Miami. Myers Leonard is underrated. He's a, he's a locker room guy. I made the comment privately, but I'll make it publicly now. Damian Lillard is definitely a lead-by-example guy, not lead-by-energy and lecturing, which is comical because he's a rapper and he loves to, like, spit. But, again, maybe that's the way he expresses his words through artistic lyrics. And that team just lacks juice. C.J. McCollum, Lehigh product, of course, the irony of what – and also the beauty of the depth of college basketball is the Blazers are Weber State and – Lehigh, <laughs> as one of the, two. the top dogs. But truthfully, I think that they they absolutely gutted that roster. There's just no depth, and then you bring in Carmelo. Carmelo lost a bunch of weight. Good for him. Like no no disrespect to Melo. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean Melo's Melo's Melo. Yeah, Melo's best days are past them. I mean, and they're they're going to hurt with Ariza opting out, right? That really hurts them. I think that hurts them. But well, I, I think what you what you've seen is um, Nurkic you know, coming back and looking better and uh, Zach Collins coming back and looking better. So they're getting healthy too, which they weren't all year at a better time. But the, yeah. the depth thing is yeah. real. The depth thing is certainly real. Well, and also, I, I, and also even more so than that, I think that there is a, the, there's a reason why sports psychology exists as a profession. When you bring in Yusuf Nurkic and you hang out with Damian Lillard and Zach Collins, <laughs> you can't bring in three different like polarized prototypes, even though two of them are white they grew up in completely different environments. Like these guys just don't connect. It's I mean, hard to gel. Hard. It's hard. That's connect. really hard to gel. And I, and I worry a little bit about Dame's. I don't know. I don't want to say I worry about his, what he, if he's going to try hard in this bubble. Cause he didn't really, I, I don't feel like he really wanted to go at the, at the start of this thing, but it seems yeah. like he's locked in. It yeah, seems no, like he's locked yeah. in and he's a competitor. Once you get on the court, I mean, he, he's probably a top 15, maybe top 10 guy. Right. In the when league. it comes down. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah, easy. yeah. yeah. I mean, top 10 probably. Yeah, for sure. That's a conversation for another day, but uh, yeah. But I do think that, like, again, going back to like his rap game and you listen to his rap lyrics, you know, he's a very pensive guy. He's a smart guy, but he's just not, he's not outspoken with the media. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard obviously being like the biggest prototype. Oh, he's a mute. And then, of course, you find out behind the scenes, he's like a massive partier and he has like a hot girlfriend and he's actually. <laughs> It's like, hello, media. You know, the presentation of an athlete to you guys is not exactly who they might be in their actual life. He's just a robot when you put him in front of a camera, and then maybe he's just normal the rest of his life. Exactly. Or forget normal. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, I think, actually is, like, not necessarily boisterous, but I think he's he's got, like, a certain amount of personality behind him, for real. Like, Popovich is the perfect example of this. I mean, Kawhi Leonard came from San Diego State, and he went to Pop. So you got to remember – Kawhi Leonard was not an extrovert just by biological default anyway, but then he goes to pop and pop is like the Belichick of professional Mm -hmm. basketball where he teaches him how to manipulate the media and just be standoffish. But you guys know pop behind the scenes is like actually the life of the party. 
Oh yeah, totally. Those dinners. I mean, totally. I would love to be a fly on the wall. Those, those dinners, long oh. wine dinners with pop. Well, there's a reason oh, yeah. why his player. There's a reason why his players respect him as much as they do. Um, and yeah, he gets everything he he can out of those guys. It's crazy. But, Look, Dame. Yeah. Dame was 2017, 2018 first team All NBA. Last year he was second team All NBA. So yeah, he's it's a it's a top tough 10, position top 12. right now. Yeah. Tough position right now to be a point guard. So okay, real quick, real fast, Sharky, Western Conference. Who get who gets that eight seed? Grizz, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings. Mm, that's an interesting question. So I mean, gr- like- gri- Grizzlies are three and a half games ahead of the Blazers, Pelicans. And but the now keep in mind, even if you catch them and you're within four games to force the playoff. You have to beat the eighth seed twice. So they did try to give some favor to the eighth seeds and, and to the Grizz. So the right. Grizzlies Blazers only have, have to beat that ninth seed once. Right. The Blazers have the third hardest schedule. Grizzlies have yeah, the I mean, seventh. I, like, I think that if I had to be honest, I mean, like, I think that it, if we look at it numerically, I'm, I'm not sitting here in an environment with a, a computer and a, a, you know, a spreadsheet and to look at numbers. Um, where I could see how many games they have and where we could actually forecast this. I think the Grizzlies, we talked about this with baseball, how certain teams are worse off without fans and other teams are better off mm-hmm. without fans. I think the Grizzlies actually are worse off without fans. The Grindhouse in Memphis is a very difficult place. That's a great for point. A yeah, baseball. that's a nice little home court. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Oh, I mean, that is like, that's hell for opponents. So, I think coming to Orlando for them, they could drop off. I mean, just they're young. I mean, they do have a couple of bets like Valanciunas, a couple other guys. And so also they, Jerry I know, I know State. they they I mean, play the Blazers twice. Yeah, so they I match think up the twice. Could move up. I do think the Blazers could move up significantly. I really, yeah, do. I'm um, I'm mad I missed that bet. That bet was what was that bet? The, I thought it was like bet. plus three or four hundred at one. Yeah, point. it was like plus four fifty or something for the Blazers to make the playoffs. Um, being three and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I really do because I, because I, I mean, I was on record saying I think probably about two months ago when we were having this conversation that I thought that in a bubble without fans, and of course this is before I saw how the NBA put together the courts with a little bit more of like an actual on court NBA entertainment value. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to just be like street basketball, I and I was too. like. On street basketball, I'm taking LeBron, AD over anybody almost because, like, these are just the dudes. Like, they're just going to motivate better than you, period. They're better than you anyway, but it's all about motivation. And, like, it's, like, kind of brings you back to, like, the high school play playground. Like, just because they're 34 and 28 doesn't mean that they're not, like, going to just dominate the shit out of, like, you as an effective eighth grader over a senior. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Totally. And I still think to a certain degree that that does play. Like, I do yeah. think that in the bubble – the, the top guys that are more focused, better regulated in their life, mentally, more so than anything, will hold court way better than the guys that are just a little bit more scattered. Well, I think, I think also it's going to be about which team thinks they have a chance to win, and that's how motivated they are to play. Because yeah, if, also, if a team is like, we have no chance to win, they're going to want to get the hell out of the bubble. Yeah, and also, comical comment here. But going back to the Blazers, just as much as we were chastising the Carmelo signing pre-quarantine, I think post-quarantine, Carmelo, having shown that he took the quarantine and got fit and really took it seriously for the game of basketball, he actually might come in there as a leader in that locker room where I made the comment before. I don't think Dame Dalla is a vocal leader in that locker room where he could actually juice them up a little bit. It would be it would be cool to see him take over and do well. I mean, he's a good I mean, get for, a nice little postseason run a la Syracuse. So, as you know, Sharky, we we opened up some Twitter to some some questions. And uh Absolutely. Absolutely. Let, let's give a couple shout-outs to some of the drinking gods first with some of their Absolutely. questions, all right? So, we got Namin here, as we all know, at Namin Namin <laughs> Did I pronounce that right? That was really good. I don't know. Was that pretty joke good? stuck? It's yeah. at, at Namin underscore Namin. So okay, he so, he just wants to know your thoughts on the on the Bucks and what you think if you think they're going to win it all or uh, how do you think they match up in the East? Okay, then... my, 
Well, I think a really interesting point right off the bat, obviously Giannis is their best player. Right. He will be unless he moves on. But I think his progression as an athlete is extremely noteworthy for how he will exist in a bubble without fans and without peripheral motivation. And when Giannis came into the league from Greece, he couldn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really know who he was because we couldn't understand him. And, there, and also, having lived in Argentina and Brazil myself, if you can't speak the way you do, even if, you can, if you're conversational, when you speak your natural language, you have your actual personality behind it, and people actually know who you are. And I lived in Argentina for a period, and I had conversational relations with a lot of people, but it wasn't who I was. And it, I felt weird. I felt out of body. Giannis, I think for two to three years, wasn't himself until he got really fluid with English. And it also coincided with his body growing. And now you see how much of a leader this guy is. And I'm not exactly sure if he's the oldest brother of four or if he's the second brother. He might be the oldest brother. It would also speak to that. He's a natural-born leader. He was so undervalued as a leader before people knew who he was. He put on a lot of weight. He hit the weight room. His game is fantastic across the board. I mean, the guy's taking people off the dribble from the top of the circle. It's, it's, un, it's, un, it's unfair. Dude, across the board. I mean, like I was like two, right he's now, like two he's steps from two steps from two steps from the three point line, and he's he's at the rim. Hundred percent, smoothly. And yeah. again, like, and again, like it's where like where I look at it, it's the skill set, which of course is there, and the body, yep. which is there. But the key point in a bubble, no fans, no peripheral motivation. How much can you self motivate? And as we got to know him, as he learned English better. You learn Giannis wants to crush you. He wants and, to win. He wants to win. Dude, he wants to crush. And I also, I feel like Budenholzer coming off of Atlanta, they had the best record in 2015. They lost to LeBron in the playoffs. Bunch of guys, whatever the fuck. I think Budenholzer is a very undervalued coach, and their role players are fantastic. So I really love that group. I don't, I don't think they lose the East, but it's not because I think they're the best team. Blank, like blanket, you know, Joe Public, they're already good, whatever. I think it's because literally people undervalue Giannis as a leader. And in the bubble, he will lead them in a very aggressive way. And I don't think people – I think people also underestimate how much they've built that offense and that defense around him. You know, it's at the rim. They're funneling everything to him. They, they're giving up threes on defense um, because they're not giving up a lot of points in the paint. And I think it's been fun watching him grow. I also don't mind seeing the uh, the clips of him shooting threes because I think that's only going to get better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know the, the, the name of the GM off the top of my head, but the guy did a fantastic job with that group. Well, Lopez, having Lopez as that stretch five, just it kind of helps with Giannis's lack of, of outside shooting. It kind of helps spread the court a little bit better. It's something that the Thunder didn't have that they could have used. They would have won a championship if they had a guy like that. Because um, they're... Well, the, well, well, if you wanted to segue to that point, I mean, the, the Thunder would have won a championship if Clay Thompson didn't go nuts in game six of the 2016 oh, totally. Western Conference Finals. They would have oh, won yeah. the title. They would have yeah. beat the Heat in that finals. Yep. Or the, excuse me, the, the Cavs. They would have beat the Cavs. Don't, remind, don't remind me, please. <laughs> it was a rough stretch. <laughs> I mean, that team stands alone as a, a transcending. Uh, what a great – just, a, you know, you just get – sometimes you get beat, and Clay Thompson just beats you. I mean, you, you should probably just start rooting for the Rockets. It's the closest you're going to get back to the glory days. I, I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Brody. Can't root for the Rockets. Well, you know, you, you, know, you, you know what you could do, actually. You know, Seattle actually just opened up a, uh, a new NHL team. Yeah, so I, am, so I am a Kraken fan, and I gave a guy in our chat crap about this because he's a Seattle. He lives in Seattle, and he likes all the teams, and I told him that the Kraken fit right in with my Thunder and, you know, and all that, and he, he didn't think that was very funny. But they're still, they're still pretty butthurt about losing that team. Uh, Might be a while. All right, we got, one, we got a couple more questions. Yeah, so let's transition to the – we'll stay in the East. We'll stay in the East. You kind of touched on this. This one comes from at Guns Picks, who's probably in the lab doing some KBO cooking right now. Um, but he asked, uh, New England guy, what are the Celtics' chances in the East and for the NBA championship? 
So I think you just said who your favorite was in the East, but what do you think the Celtics can do? Can they be a dark horse to get there? Yeah, I, I think they can be. I, and I think, again, it all comes down to the mindset behind the team. I think Brad Stevens is a very cerebral mind, very underspoken, soft-spoken coach. But, again, you know, the sheep of the world, and I hate to, you know, use that word, but really it is. The masses of people that categorize people publicly as something usually are wrong. Usually there's a reason that the, quote, soft-spoken coach is actually a great coach for professional basketball players who are huge egos. Newsflash, he's probably not soft-spoken. He's probably really intelligent and articulating his mind to a group of players. Take it one step further. Jalen Brown, Cal Berkeley, really smart. I think politically oriented, but also not like, you know, far left and just, or far right and just going nuts. Smart guy. I think their core is just very well crafted of just professional, not necessarily even athletes, I would say like just professional people, which I think gives them a huge access point within the bubble, of course, without any sort of peripheral motivation. Yep, I agree. I've loved I watching think- Brad Stevens with that team. I mean, I think they came together after the Kyrie bullshit. They're young. Tatum made some leaps this year. I've always I liked Jalen think- Brown. I just think with Kimba Walker not being healthy, they don't have a shot. But I know. They're kind of hiding that one, right? They're but... kind of hiding that. The thing that I'm only uh, – the only, uh, and I'm not uh, – you know, Guns Picks, what's up, brother? I, I love your picks, love your, your game. But truthfully, I don't think that like, – as much as I made all the, you know, very flattering comments about Giannis and the Bucks, mm-hmm. I don't think the Bucks are just a lock. I mean, I don't I, – I, and that was the – even coming into this season, I, don't, I didn't think there was a lock – to win the title, and that's the beauty of it. So well, there's no, there's, there was never a lock. Okay, so there's, in, so there's no lock in the East. So there's no lock in the East for sure. Um, you know, Brody asked the question: Is he crazy to think the Raptors could repeat? What do you? I mean, that's bearded Brody Jimenez, your boy, Jimenez fifteen MOG. Um, he's been on the podcast as well. You think well, he's I mean, crazy to Ra- think the, the Raptors, Raptors might have a chance? I think the Raptors are, are the two seed right now, right? Yeah, they are. I believe so. Yeah. But I think that speaks to the fact that they are absolutely a contender because you don't win 46 basketball games out of 64 if you are not committed to sustainable greatness, even without Kawhi Leonard. And also, a very very interesting dynamic, I think, which people don't talk about enough, is when a player like Kawhi Leonard comes into your team and wins a title. First of all, there was a luck box title, I'll say it. If the Warriors were healthy, they wouldn't have won the title. If he didn't hit that running jump shot off like four different layers of the architecture of the stadium in the first round against the Sixers, they really? might not win the first round. And so, first of all, it's a little bit of a luck box title. No disrespect, real good player. I see up in Canada, let's crush baseball. But <laughs> in all seriousness, the team was the core before he came in. He didn't do that much, in my opinion. Like, they already had that core and they have a young group of guys that are professional basketball players and a very well-balanced roster and a good coach. I, I like my man, Mr. Nurse over there. He needs to nurse the world a little better now. Yeah. Nick nurse. So we got one more question. I'm going to let odds do that but before we're, that's going to segue kind of we'll into save that. We'll, we'll so, save that for last, I think. All right. So we, we've kind of talked a little, we've gone around the horn with the league. Let's make some picks. All right, who comes out of the West and who comes out of the East? Sharky. Am I, am I going here? You're, you're going. You're on the hot seat. Unless, unless, shark, you want me, unless, you, unless you want me to go, but I'm just going to say the yeah. Thunder because I'm a fan. So, Well, you should, you should go because I have to think about it for a second. <laughs> okay, so real, realistically, I think, it's the, I think it's the Clippers and Bucks. I just, I just think those, and I, I think, and I think the Clippers win, just because I think their lineup is is all world this year, and I think some of those I defensive I, stoppers that you could throw in. I feel like the Lakers, the Lakers are pretty thin outside their stars, but well, I don't. I, people weren't talking about the Avery Avery Bradley thing enough because I think you get in some matchups there. Yeah. I think that hurts you defensively more, totally. more than. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, and then I just don't see anything anybody out of the East comp- competing with the rap. The uh, sorry, not the Raptors, 
the uh, Bucks. Maybe the 76ers. I was going to say, I'm, 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 I might do it as a hot take, but that team they're would be good. fun if they get going. I'm sure that's great value at what? They're plus 2,000. So Yeah, they're, they're in the sixth spot right they're now. They're tied with the Raptors. Up a little bit, yeah. Um, but it, it just feels like a three-horse race. I mean, the Rockets could catch fire just with shooting. You can kind of catch a hot streak over a short amount of time. Um, I just I, I just can't I don't trust the Rockets I don't really don't trust Westbrook in a situation a playoff situation I know he's great I know he's the energy guy I just I don't trust him to make the right decision I've seen him make the wrong decision too many times before we get so, into the picks what, what about this one for for Sharky who I know likes breaking down <laughs> the Sharky psychology key in life um, Ben Simmons guy who struggled to shoot even attempt to shoot from beyond the arc do you think he with no fans is willing to try to take more threes. Maybe that gets him going. Maybe the shooting streak finally comes changes the dynamic of the Sixers. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that their, their core psychology is broken to begin with. Cause I think there's just, I think Joel Embiid is an unequivocal unwavering ego where you have to surround him with parts that are just going to essentially agree. Like there's just no debate, agree or leave. And I think Ben Simmons is not necessarily an outspoken guy, but I do think that he, I mean, he dated a Kardashian. So maybe he is an outspoken guy. Like, (laughs) again, they all have like an off the court persona that none of us know. This is why I was talking about like, again, Kawhi Leonard, a bunch of other guys, like what you see on the court is not exactly who they are. So that's why there's a clash in the team. The Al Al Horford signing, I hated, I hated the Tobias Harris extension. I mean, obviously went to Tennessee, Allen Houston, Peyton Manning, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's just an average guy. He's a big. He's a wing, but he's not a championship player. Um, I think the Sixers are in shambles. I don't like Brett Brown. He was hired because he was an assistant to Pop. Pop gets people jobs, just like Belichick gets people jobs. Look at how Belichick's assistants did in the NFL. Unequivocal, perpetual failure. Um, I think the Sixers are just garbage. And yeah, I, 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 I like I like that take a lot. I'm not high on the Sixers. I just think. I think they could catch fire if everybody stays healthy. And I, I just haven't seen them healthy enough to know. But I, I like your take. I don't think they have a chance. But um, who knows? <laughs> yeah, look, I hope for Ben Simmons' career stake, whether he's uh, he's in Philly or somewhere else, that he does figure some of it out because he's got a chance to be great. But and, an, and, another team, and another team we even talked about is the Nuggets. I mean, I, I think they kind of, they're another team. They probably rely on that home court a lot being a mile high and kind of being able to take advantage of that. But I do. I mean, yeah, I mean I you, see, you see Jokic, Joker. You see Jokic yeah. back. He's ripped. He's lost all that Nuggets, weight. I don't know. You know, you know what team I think is really mentally fallible is the jazz. I think the jazz really just can't connect. Like I think Quinn Snyder, honestly, I think he's, he's kind of like a, I, I don't really like the reference, but I'm just going to throw a Thibodeau. Like, he's like a, a – The future Thibodeau, of the like, New York Knicks, you mean? No, 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 no. Just like in terms of like when, he, when the Bulls were like good, their, ras- their, their, you know, their roster was like pretty damn stacked. But they just never like got over the hump. They were just like super competitive, but that, that was it. I, I kind of feel like Quinn Snyder – and he, I think he was a Duke product. Like, he was like an assistant at Duke under Coach K. Well, like, he he yeah. has like great pedigree. And he, he was great at Iowa State. I mean, and he was a, at Missouri. Was he at Missouri? Oh, no. Why did I say Iowa State? Missouri. Missouri. Missouri, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he got in trouble and then found his way into the NBA as an assistant and kind of got a head coaching job. Exactly, exactly. I feel like he just, like, he's just, he, and again, people need to realize, like, there's a hell of a lot of bias in the hiring and also the holding of coaches in professional leagues. I mean, like, look at guys like Jeff Fisher in the NFL, who's, you know, won nothing. But he was just a guy and a guy and a guy. And then the minute he gets fired, they bring in Sean McVay and the Rams go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's just it's classic. Like where there's just these like these coaches that just again hiring and a key point, not hiring, holding. Mm-hmm. Like owners are very comfortable with just like we, we appease our fan base. We're the jazz, we're competitive. We go to the second round every year and then we wash out, but the fans are not angry because we're competitive. That's kind of how I feel with Billy Donovan. True. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that for sure. Um, I think the one thing with the Jazz that hurts them is the Bog- – I don't think – I think Bogdanovich has done for the year. Yeah, he is. 
maybe some tension between Rudy well, and, and uh, Bear, Donovan yeah. Mitchell not being able to figure out their their COVID shit. Yeah, I think that's actually a good thing for them. If I'm not gonna lie, like I thought their offseason moves sucked. I thought bringing in Mike Conley Jr. was a Stupid. terrible move. Stupid. Yeah, it's backfired for sure. Terrible. I mean, because, dude, he's a one. I mean, D. Mitch needs the ball. You can't just give the ball to Mike Conley. Mike Conley is, like, your prototypical one. I mean, he's like a Steve Nash. Like, he is – and D. Mitch is, like, he's a one with upside. Like, he's kind of like a a poor man's Kyrie to a certain degree with more lift. I mean, the guy can dunk dunk out the gym. But, you know, you can't put those guys on the same court to coexist. Not only that, but demographically – I mean, come on. He's 10 years younger. D. Mitch is a huge ego. Conley Jr., actually, people don't remember – he was actually the point guard at Ohio State with oh, Greg yeah. Odin. Yeah, that, that was a Final Four team, right? Or a championship team? Or a... Yeah, Final Four. Final Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, somehow Odin looks like he's about 65 years old when he got drafted. <laughs> Dude, he, he, I mean, what, he played like 100 games in the league. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Sad. Sad yeah. one. But anyway, just, could, like, just, uh, just uh, could have had KD. Could have had KD. Could have had KD. Okay, so let's get – so what do you think? All right, who do you – Let's go, Anthony. What do you think? All right. Wait, um, Ant, wait hold on. Did, Ant, did I even answer your question? You thought he would. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> these, these are getting these answers. Are, I mean, we're getting this good. We're getting the conversation. Uh, this is good. No, I mean, look. At the end of the day, I think you had the right take. You you walked me off any chance I was going to take the Sixers because I think they're in shambles. I think I think yeah. it's fair. Yeah. No, I mean, look. Let's let's start in the East. I think. Uh, just to go against the grain a little bit, um, I do think the Celtics, if they come together under Brad Stevens and with some of that younger talent continuing to mash Tatum, continuing to make some strides, um, can make some noise. So let's let's go Celtics out of the East, but I think it's going to be an uphill battle against the Bucs. Um, and then in the West, I'd love to, to be against Pond, but I, I picked preseason – Clippers and I just thought they had yeah. more to offer, you know, shutting things down, some deeper lineups. I was always worried about the the LA depth, and I think the Laker depth has only gotten worse. I mean, J.R. Smith addition, fine, but I think what really hurts them is the Avery Bradley thing, the Rajon Rondo thing. I don't know how long Rondo's out, but he's hurt. Um, it might just be for the early rounds, but I think that shakes things up enough there that you know they're just gonna have trouble with some of that depth. As much as I love LeBron, love watching him, respect the hell out of him that uh, I'm going to go Clippers over Celtics. Okay, so we're both with the Clips. All right, Sharky, take us home. Do something different. Well, I was thinking about it for the last, you know, whatever this was, 10 to 12 minutes of just greatness. <laughs> but I got to say, my mind has come off of the box a little bit here. There we go. And I think – when I really get down to it, and I made the comment, Brad Stevens is not soft-spoken. He's actually a psychological genius. And Budenholzer is not a psychological genius. He's a guy that can manage professional athletes very well. And that's not how you win in a bubble, in a quarantine, in a tumultuous 2020 campaign. But I will take the Celtics out of the East. Oh, yeah. I think, man. I think they're deeper they're smarter they're more psychologically aware and i think ultimately Giannis is two years away from a championship but i think he needs home games in the playoffs yeah i think it's a big factor i really i think he needs home games in the playoffs and i think ultimately when it comes down to it like when you're really put on pressure like i thought about the bucks on the road a couple of the games they were playing early season not necessarily early season because you gotta remember we are 60 games in this is a weird thing about the nba quarantine like they were like almost to the playoffs yeah they were almost there it's totally different than MLB just opening their season. So you, so you think, break. so you really do think coaching is going to going to play a pretty big factor in the in the. Box. I think in I this think environment, it's magnified. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's take and, the best coach, uh, best coach out of the East. You got him, Celtics. What do you think? No, no, what do you I, think out of the? What do you think out of the West? I think ultimately, you know, when we talk about the depth of the competition in the, the, the lower half, you know, the, the, the six through 12, that just speaks to the future of the West, but the future is not now. What is going on in the West now is basically, I think going to be a coronation of LeBron taking his talents 
to Hollywood and bringing AD out there, bringing a great supporting cast, Danny Green, Avery Avery Bradley. Come on, get whatever. Sit with your children in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you. LeBron is the best player of the last 25 years. It's impossible to define if he would have beaten Jordan competitively, mentally. It's, it's a very difficult argument. What is not an argument is he is a better athlete. He's taller, he's stronger, he's faster. And mm-hmm. as he's gotten smarter, he's become almost unbeatable. He was only beaten down by essentially what was probably the best group of five players to start on an NBA court in the history of the world which was the 2017 Warriors with Kevin Durant. I mean, unfair. That was unfair. Right. That, has not, that does not take away from LeBron James at all. Take that to now, in a quarantine, in a bubble, this is where he excels, in my opinion. I think with AD, and you can tell he's gotten under AD's ass. AD has shown more emotion this season than he showed for the last 25 years of his life. And well, this team is just primed and ready. And his leadership, really his leadership is going to, it should show. Um, and I and think then. that when it comes down to it, I really think that just in terms of, and you take it out of the box, shout to Megan making money for always making picks about like outside of the box conspiracy theories. But I do think that Kobe Bryant dying this year may actually play into a Lakers title over the Celtics, not coincidentally. Oh. Because Ooh. he won his last championship over the Celtics. I see how you tied that in. I Boom. see how you tied that in. And shout out to Megan well, Megan Money. Pink Will Pink, Brand Will Brand. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, those are I'm just excited to have Hoops picks. back, man. I'm just excited. Those are great. Those are great picks. And I, I think no matter how it ends up, it should be a good a good playoffs, unless it's, you know, somehow a weird situation and they don't finish. And anyway, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna act like it's all good. They're going to finish. Everybody's going to stay healthy. We're recording this the Tuesday. Bubble. Game start Thursday, July 30th. The bubble's going to work. And uh, we're going to ride the wave. Sharky, what do you got to plug? You want to plug the nation? Well, I want to, you know, obviously say nothing because we just covered all of it. <laughs> well, we did, it. well, we almost covered it all. What do you think <laughs> One more thing. Oh, what do you think? you're right. You're right. Off. Closing question. One more, one more thing, and this was another question. And I know you're a Florida guy, so I don't know if you've been able to do some damage this is down from, there. This is from Captain Capper. Because Captain Capper had probably the most relevant, <laughs> insightful, thoughtful question of the night, the one that people really want to know. And it's shout-out to Lou Williams. Was it worth it, Lou? <laughs> Were the wings worth it? <laughs> So, Shark, you have to tell us, have you ever been to Magic City? And how were the wings? I have not. It's in Atlanta, for the record. Oh, okay. Yeah, we knew that. So, he was yeah. still home. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. But, that, that, all, that all being said, we can talk about wing game here for a second. Shout out to LockBets. Shout out to ParlayPat.net. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Lacrosse Bets. Everything about it. Um, wing game is a very ambiguous one. It's hard to find. I, I, I do think that for Lou Williams, if I'm going to look at his career, I believe he came out of high school. He didn't go to college. He was a second-round pick, I think, in 2005. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you really look at, like, the journeyman, above-average NBA player, if I really get deep into their mind, people don't understand. Like, if you're that good at basketball, it's autopilot. That's boring. So you have to have something that excites you. And Lou Williams is notably a partier. He loves to party. I mean, why would you not? I mean, you're worth $100 million and you're just chilling out. But that's not necessarily the answer to why you party. There's a lot of people that have $100 million and party because they're miserable. But, I mean, come on. To leave, to leave and go get these stupid – Well, seems... he, was already, he was already out. So, so he, he was, was already out. excused, yeah, for a funeral. And then somebody snapped the photo of him at the strip club before he went back in. Apparently there was a rapper he was hanging out with who snapped a selfie. Exactly. On Instagram or something. Yeah. But I do think that social media, Lou, like well, I never realized like with Lou, I, I, this is new information for me, like just psychologically. I never realized that he actually was just like that lighthearted of a guy. And he just like hosted massive mansion parties in the summer, like <laughs> and subsidized everybody. Like he's just like, 
he's kind of like the, I would say like the coolest dude in the NBA. Like kind of like Dennis Rodman without like the absolute like without the wedding dress. Because you got to remember, like Dennis Rodman. You guys ever studied Dennis Rodman? I mean, he grew up in the oh, yeah. hood. Like his dad died. Yeah. His older sister, you know, his older sister played D one hoops at Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Oh yeah, he played. He actually played his college ball here in Oklahoma. You know, a small school, yeah. Oklahoma, and just just a freak athlete, but just just a guy that knew his role, and that's Lou Williams. He knows his role. He's the sixth man. He never really wanted to be more than that. True, but he's he's also a walking bucket. We know that. Right, he's he's perfect, perfect for the bubble. So let's let's hope he gets to participate, and it, it looks like he will. But and look, yeah. in his defense, those wings are named enjoys, after him. Let's hope let's hope he enjoys them because he's not going to have them for a while. Right. To answer to answer the question though, in full, I do think that in his mind, he didn't even think twice about going to that strip club to get wings. No, no, he was dialed in. No. No. Like that's just what he does though. Like that's like, just what he does. Like, yeah. Like, I, I wake up and cook eggs and bacon for myself. Like if I'm Lou Williams, I wake up and I go to the strip club to get wings. I mean, he went to get the Lou Will lemon pepper barbecue wings. So let's be serious. The man was dialed in. <clears throat> Precisely. Precisely. I mean I, I wake up, crack a seltzer, don't even think twice about it. You know, Boom. Just right in the morning. <laughs> right in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Lou just just being guys, right? Just so. default activity. I mean, pun. What else do you do? Like, if you had to like give yourself one <laughs> other thing you did, what would, would what would it be? Play golf? Yeah, probably. Probably play golf. Uh, I like that. You, you got to do it. It's important. You got to shoot you it well. Do it. It's important. It gives me an outlet from the from the crazy kid dad life. Well, Sharky, this has been so good. We're gonna have you back on again when the playoffs For lots. start. Yeah. Um, Lots of other sports too. We'll get into some baseball with you at some point. I know you're we'll deep, you're big into that. We'll deep dive and and get into some baseball and uh, get into maybe some more psychological stuff as well because I know you're into that. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Anytime, any, anywhere, any place, any space. Let's right, go. Boys. Thank you for coming well, on, brother. You guys can find him. Thank at you, Sharky. Sharks and Sports on Twitter. Great follow. Ride the wave, boys. Or get out of the water. Enjoyed that interview as much as we did. You know, really getting deep into the NBA. A little breakdown into some psychology, what the bubble is going to be like, some picks, some value. Um, just excited to have Hoops back. I know I know Sharky was, Pun, I know you are. And, uh, you know, that's what isn't, we have to look forward Shark, to. Isn't Sharky the best? I mean, he's straight, just, straight shooter, right? I love the truth. That, that's the he best knows part. more about NBA than I ever ever did i mean he just it's fantastic i'm just look, looking forward to talking to him about more sports as well uh, yeah definitely everybody get him on here a lot everybody follow him at sharks in sports great live content great re-reviews just a great guy in general yeah and look he'll have great nba picks throughout this um you know individual games maybe some series yeah. so definitely keep your eye on that and worst case scenario even if he's not giving out picks he's like like pun said he's gonna have the great great fire content Oh, no doubt. So what are we doing now? We're going to transition to our final little segment, get you guys out of here. We're going to do some best bets for Wednesday night since we're hopefully dropping this early enough that you guys can jump on and ride with us for Wednesday evening. Taylor Fade, yes. I always like to say. Yes. So uh, what I'm looking at here is I'm, I'm on the athletics starting here pretty quick, the money line, but that's going to be too close to, to game time to release that one. But I didn't really like this is, kind of a contrarian play because of how bad they are. The Red, I like the Red Sox team total over two and a half. You can still get it at on, on five dimes, like minus 140, 145. Some places you'll see over three and a half at plus money, which is not a bad play either. I just think the Red Sox are going to play better away from Fenway. I know DeGrom's pitching. Um, usually that doesn't bode well for the hitters, but I think I, I just think I think they're going to break out a little bit offensively. May not win the game, but I, I like them to score at least three runs. Um, they have a great yeah. offensive team, and, and they should be lefty heavy today against the Grom, which I like. So uh, that's what I, that's what I'm going with. What about you? Really, the key for you is you figure you scratch one out against him, and then try to get into the bullpen, right? One or two against him, and then you, you yeah, get deep get, into that Mets bullpen. Yeah, get get Diaz in there, and and all, and then we might we might get it in the ninth. 
So then they, then they might win at plus one seventy. <laughs> juicy, juicy dog. Sorry, Mets fans. <laughs> so I am jumping on the Atlanta Braves, who have dropped the first two to Tampa. Um, they are favored right now. That line's probably sitting anywhere between minus one twenty mm-hmm. and uh, you know minus one thirty. Um, so you can see it in a few spots. Um, just think they bounce back, you know, stronger today. Um, I like the pitching splits and the matchup, you know, Charlie Morton didn't look good early on. So I'm, you know, definitely think that trend's going to continue and Atlanta wakes up a little bit and gets the W here. Yeah. And look out for the Reds too. That's a, that's a tricky spot. Yeah. Likely one I'm on. I'm not comfortable giving it out because this week's been horrendous, but I, I do like Sonny Gray. And he's, he's I'm gun shy on the Reds, but their, their offense has to wake up at some point. So, right. Um, so uh, team total over two and a half for the Red Sox. And then you're on the Braves money line. There's our two best bets. So uh, good luck, everybody. And then look this weekend, uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on the podcast, subscribe, like it, listen, love it. Um, but we're going to read at least some other Seltzer previews and have a little fun with that. So should be good. Yep, Seltzer rankings coming your way. Hopefully finger, fingers crossed a big guest as well. So, That's right. Uh, We're working on that. And everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.